Hello and welcome back to another episode of Good Samaritan HealthCast. I am your host, Katie Lovell, and I'm joined today by Dr. Andrea Patterson. Hi, Dr. Patterson. How are you today? Good morning. I'm doing great. How are you? I'm great. Thank you for asking. So tell us about yourself. Um, Like she said, my name is Dr. Andrea Patterson. I am a fourth generation Hoosier. I went to college at IU Bloomington and I went to medical school at IU School of Medicine. And now I'm doing my third year of psychiatry residency here at Vincennes. So this is year three of me being at Good Samaritan. Awesome. And are you over at the IU Residency Psychiatry Clinic? That's correct. Awesome. So today we're going to be talking about the suicide hotline and the new number that went into effect over the weekend. All right. Uh, So the new number that went into effect is 988. Just like 911, it is there for any sort of crisis, but this is specific to mental health crisis. It is not necessarily a suicide hotline. Uh, They call it a a lifeline, and it's based on the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration. So that covers substance abuse or uh, someone who uh, is behaving in a way that might make them a risk to themselves or others. Okay. And you have experience as a crisis counselor, correct? Correct. As part of our residency here in Vincennes, Uh, We do a rotation known as emergency services Um, that involves us speaking to people who are in the emergency room as well as people who call in uh, with a crisis. Okay. So what happens when someone calls 988? Will emergency services be dispatched to them? No, that is one difference between 911 and 988. If you call 988, it doesn't mean that an ambulance or a police officer is going to show up at your door. It means that you are going to be connected with either a social worker or a uh, another uh, mental health provider, such as a physician like myself. Um, from there, they will kind of uh, assess where you're at, and sometimes you may just need someone to talk to and talk you down. Sometimes you may need directed to local resources in the area. And other times, you may need an ambulance, but that is a discussion that we have together. Okay. And we're talking about different people that qualify to call 988. So that includes people struggling with their mental illness, people struggling with substance abuse issues. Who are some people that don't need to call the 988 number? So just like 911, uh, it's not appropriate to call the 988 number for things like medication refills. That is something you call your uh, doctor's office about. Um, if you're having issues with your medications, like an allergic reaction, something serious or life-threatening, obviously uh, that can go to 911 or the emergency room. Okay. Is this a free service, or if it's not, how much does it cost to use? It is absolutely free. Uh, this is, like I said, um, a program based off of the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration. Uh, it has received um I think quadruple the amount of funding since the 988 um, lifeline kind of uh, went into effect. Although there was a lifeline before this, but now we're making it a little bit more streamlined so that people can uh, remember the line easier. 
Yeah, absolutely. And that was a 1-800 number, correct? Yes. Yeah. Will that be disconnected for people who do remember that number? It will not be disconnected. You can still call that lifeline. And in fact, you can still call uh, the Veterans Administration lifeline as well. If you're a veteran, that has not been disconnected. No numbers have been stopped. We've only added this one for ease of remembering the line. Because in a crisis situation, it's easier to remember three numbers. Yeah, absolutely, than a longer 1-800 number. Exactly. So if you don't mind, Dr. Patterson, would you go into some of your experiences as a crisis counselor? Did you work with the Lifeline? Absolutely. So if someone uh, called into the crisis line, uh, the first thing to expect is they are going to ask for where you are. Uh, one important distinction between the 988 number and the 911 uh, number is that we don't have geolocation. And so if we do need to send an ambulance out to your location, that is one of the first things we always ask is, where are you? So don't be surprised if we, if we do that. It's not to send a bill to you. Like we said, it's completely free. It's just to make sure we know where you are if you're in a uh, serious situation. Um, next, we'll ask things like your name, your birthday. Um, if you are in, in the Good Samaritan system, uh, they will possibly look into your chart uh, that way they know who your doctor is and who to connect you with. It helps to get you connected into uh, resources in your area. Um, if you are having feelings of uh, what we call suicidal ideation or feeling like you might harm yourself or, or someone else, uh, we might develop a safety plan with you. And in fact, on the SAMHSA web website, and by SAMHSA I mean the uh, the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration, uh, they have those forms out there, and it goes over things like, what are my warning signs? What are the things that I can tell things are not going well with me? And subjects like, who can I call if I'm in trouble? Who can I call for support if things are not going well? What can I do to distract myself so I'm not just catastrophizing and spiraling down further into my depression and uh, also things like who's your doctor and um, making sure you have those kind of numbers easily accessible. It also goes over things like how to keep your home safe. So instances like making sure you don't have an overabundance of pills uh in your home and storing guns safely, which means firearms should be se separated from ammunition and both in a secure location. So would you say your experience as a crisis counselor has helped you in your residency? Absolutely. So when someone is in a, a crisis situation, emotions run high, it's important to, uh, to keep your cool and really learn about how to interview people and, and make that connection uh, quickly, that way that they trust you and are willing to talk to you. Yeah, absolutely. And that's really great that Good Samaritan has that service, that our residents do have those skills to help in crises. Mm -hmm. But uh, should someone not be comfortable coming in and making an appointment, then mm -hmm. they always have the 988 number that they can reach. I would also like to point out that the 988 number uh, is not just for phone calls. So there are some people in our community that don't feel comfortable with phone calls, whether they are in an abusive situation and uh, feel like they might be overheard or 
they have uh, hearing, hard of hearing difficulties or they're, they're deaf, we have text services as well. And if you look at the, the SAMHSA website, they actually have uh, online web chat services. And with that, um, we also have phone services in Spanish. We're working on expanding languages to text and chat as well, but we have the, the phone line in Spanish. Okay. And do you still work with SAMHSA? So I don't, uh, I'm not a direct representative of SAMHSA. Uh, I wouldn't uh, claim anything like that. It's just something I, I would like to get the word out about. Um, but yes, I will occasionally uh, cover a shift or two. Uh, I have some other duties, of course, in the offices. But yeah, I absolutely do. And I think it's a, a great, worthy thing. Yeah, and it's great to spread awareness about that. Mm-hmm. So one of the reasons that this this network, this system is so important to me is because last year my stepbrother Andy took his own life. Um, he was a veteran. He was part of the Marines. And when he uh, was feeling desperate and out of control and like nothing good was going on in his life, it was easier for him to reach for a firearm than a hotline number. So anything that we can do to reduce the difficulty with contacting help, like shortening that hotline from, you know, 10 numbers down to three, I think is very helpful. Absolutely. I'm sorry about your loss. I appreciate that. And, you know, it's, it's something that, you know, my stepmother is, uh, trying to tell her story, trying to get the word out about it herself um, she makes bracelets and and doing posters and advocacy for this. Uh, so this is very important to me, both as a person and as a physician. Absolutely. And I think that that is maybe um, an issue that a lot of maybe physicians or healthcare workers have seen a stigma with mental health and not being able to talk about it and not, not seeing people be able to reach out for help. Absolutely. And I think that's gotten better over the past couple of years that people have become more aware of it, but there's still a great deal of stigma out there and anything that we can do to, to spread awareness and say, it's okay, we're not going to send the cops to your door, we're just here to help is very useful to the community. Okay. So when it comes to suicidal ideation that we touched on earlier, it's not just actively planning a suicide. Is that correct? Correct. Uh, there is something that we call uh, passive suicidal thoughts, passive suicidal ideation, which means things like, I want to go to sleep and not wake up, or I can't do this anymore. And those are serious too. Those are the kind of thoughts that maybe you need to talk to someone about before they get worse instead of, you know, going straight to the emergency room. And that's one of the things that this hotline can really help with is kind of triaging those folks and, and giving them what they need. Obviously, we don't have the manpower uh, to do a an hour-long therapy session with everyone who calls. But at least if someone hears you and empathizes with you, might and get you into touch with the resources that you need it can help 
you go from those feelings of, I don't deserve to be here, hopelessness, helplessness, to actively planning something. What we look for in terms of people that we need to send to the emergency room are things like people making a plan, people writing uh, notes to their families, or um, uh, giving their possessions away. One thing that uh, my stepbrother did actually that should have been a warning sign but was missed was he was actually like reconciling with some of his family members trying to um, kind of ease what was going on. So any change in behavior is important. And that leads me to some risk factors to talk about. In terms of people who are most likely, first of all, women are more likely to have an attempt. However, men are more likely to complete their attempt. Uh, for instance, that tends to be because men choose more deadly methods. Um, I'm not going to go into the deadly methods right now, uh, but that tends to be something we see. So it's especially important for men who tend to keep things t off to themselves to be able to, to talk and to reach out and to recognize that other emotions than anger and happiness are okay to have and are okay to express. Um, other risk factors include things like divorce um, and things like a recent loss. So if someone's recently lost a close family member or pet, or if they've, it's the anniversary of such a loss, that can be a risk factor as well. We also look at things like substance use. Um, if you are drinking, that's a depressant, and that can make those feelings worse. So you're you're talking a lot about risk factors and things that you may see in mm -hmm. not only yourself, but in a family member or a close friend that you have, or even a coworker. Mm -hmm. What is something that you can do as a as a friend or a family member to help support them? I mean, I know you can't exactly dial the phone for them, but how are how are some ways that you can help and be there to support them? Oh, you can absolutely dial the phone for them. <laughs> um, that's that's actually something that comes up all the time is, oh. is someone calls the hotline and, and it's like, you know what, my husband, my wife, my sister, my brother, uh, my son, my daughter is uh, saying things that are scary to me. Would you talk to them? And if someone is already on the line, maybe that's what they'll need to talk. Sometimes they'll get angry, but I'd rather them be angry than, you know, have an attempt. Absolutely. Uh, other things that we can do in general is just check in with people. I think uh, that's fair to say uh, in even the best of times. And as we all know, these past couple years have not been the best of times. In terms of uh, other things that we can do, um, one thing is the SAMHSA, um, the SAMHSA website is currently giving out posters, uh, not advertising, but um, raising awareness for the 988 number. Um, and so the poster, uh, you can order it for free 
on the um, on the website and it'll come to you in a, a few weeks. It'll come right to your door and you can post those posters up any place that people gather, like your churches, your schools, your community centers, um, your businesses even, your bulletin boards, and just make mental health not a dirty word. Absolutely. So going back to how we spoke about people that would be able to use the 988 number, we talked a little bit about people struggling with substance abuse. Could you talk a little bit about that and maybe your experiences that you've had as a crisis counselor with that? Absolutely. So in terms of mental health crisis, like I was saying before, it's not necessarily someone who uh, is going to harm themselves or someone else or someone having a psychotic break, although those are all very good reasons to call. Um, since we're all social workers and physicians who are in the area, uh, we can connect you with local resources. Uh, and that may mean going to the hospital if you need something like uh, to detox from alcohol or other substances. But it also might mean things like connecting you to your local AA meeting or your local, we also have programs called partial hospitalization program where people can uh, they can get counseling and they can get treatment or for people who are, um, need a little bit more support. We have the intensive outpatient program where people can continue to work and, and they don't have to be in a hospital. They can go home at night, but still get a little bit of support. Um, we also have, uh, people in the area who do medication assisted treatment, uh, so everyone's heard of methadone clinics. Um, however, we have other options these days as well. We have medications called Suboxone, and we have medications that can help with cravings, uh, Naltrexone, Vivitrol, um, that can be very helpful for folks. So if you get someone on the other line, that doesn't mean that you are uh, going to, to kill yourself. It could just mean that you need a little bit of, of help getting sober. And that's all right, too. Yeah. Uh, and last on our last episode, we talked with nurse practitioner Christy Riddle, and she spoke a little bit about substance abuse and alcohol abuse and how usually when it comes to those things, it's not just surface level. There's something deeper that goes deeper than that that's underneath there. Um, so... As a crisis counselor or as someone working with this service, would you recommend people who reach out and want to get help pass the lifeline to maybe seek out therapy or some other type of counseling? Absolutely. And as part of our, our program called the Partial Hospitalization Program, uh, we do have counselors available as well as uh, we have physicians, uh, psychiatrists, and psychiatry residents who will evaluate your needs. And a lot of times people have a history of traumatic experiences that they, they need help processing um, because that's what they're trying to cover up. And I think uh, uh, Chrissy Riddle, I know her quite well, love her to death, uh, is one of our our best people out there for it. But we have all sorts of people in the area who this is their passion. They would love to help you. And there is help out there. 
Absolutely. So Dr. Patterson, is there anything else that you'd like to touch on or talk about? No, not at this time. I just really want to to put the word out that there's help in our community. There's people who are nearby who know the area and who want to help. Absolutely. If you or a loved one are struggling with your mental health or substance abuse, you can call or text 988. Or if you feel more comfortable, you can reach out to your primary care physician and get a referral. That wraps up this episode of the Good Samaritan HealthCast. Thank you for listening, and we will see you next week. Thank you, Dr. Patterson. Thank you.